0: It's Thursday, May 6th, the day before the Plus League Finals get started. We have our two contestants. How did the playoff winner prevail? Will they stand a chance against the Galaxy team? I polled some of my podcast guests for their votes on League MVP and Import of the Year. Of course, I'll share my personal Plus League voting ballot compared to the actual award winners. You're listening to Plus Basketball Weekly on Taiwanese Pro Ball by Ryan Chen. There's a lot of content, so let's get to it. Let's quickly, as quick as I can, run through the ballot in order of how they were announced. Coach of the year, Roger Shu. Obviously, the talent on the team is excellent, and Roger should get credit for spreading around the playing time. I'd imagine the Braves wanted to see more development out of Josh and Brendan Smart. The team had one rough patch in February, going 1-4, and four, but 8 straight wins to end the season feels like a good way to head into the long break before the finals. They do the most thorough job with scouting and game planning, the Braves do. The media darling goes to Garrett Tianlei, who won it. The media treated this inaugural title as a career recognition, which unfortunately paints the award in a bad light because the criteria simply said any player who was interviewed post-game or attended post-game press conferences. This season, Garrett didn't get much playing time because of injury, and therefore the media exposure wasn't a lot. Now get me wrong, it was incredibly gratifying to call his retirement game and see every ceremony the teams had for him. But for the media interviews we did get to see him this season, I got the feeling he was just going through the motions. I think that means it's one of my summer assignments to look up his more meaningful quotes of the past. I personally had Beast, a Jib. I felt like all his post games were always compelling, while also giving a lot of credit to the league, his opponents, and his teammates anthony tucker is also a great candidate for being accessible to the international media shout out to raja and the blue balls podcast guys who had him on their content general manager of the year i had sean chen chen of the pilots the reason being he had to manage two basketball teams the pilots in the plus league and puyuan in the sbl both teams definitely looked weak towards the middle of the season but both had playoff ambitions In particular, the Pilots, even without two of their imports, managed to have a series lead against the Dreamers. Now, Sean probably does as much as any GM in terms of interacting and guiding the players, so he can get some credit for coaching himself. Speaking of imports, Sean did get imports of incredible resumes. Davon Reed still has NBA aspirations. Kadeem Jack is the top play highlight participant every week. Willie Warren has his hype from the CBA. And luckily, they got Jordan Chapman, that might be more out of availability than Sean's scouting. Chris Tsai of the Braves won the award. I mean, he has to manage a basketball team and a baseball team. That must be very stressful and a lot of work. Now, it also must be said, not managing Reed and Jack's workload, which led to those injuries and their subsequent departure, are points against Sean. Now, the best home court. I'm apartment hunting because I had He Ping Arena first and Shingju second. Going against He Ping, I very much don't like TFB, the Braves' in-stadium theme song. And it's clear the crowd that goes to Hooping supports the Braves rather modestly. I mean, it's Taipei. All other teams have a lot of fans in the capital city, too. Against Xingzhu is the confetti on opening game that was December 26th. Not the team's fault, but it still happened. The cold-weather game in there, a product of the stadium design, and the botched sound of the family video messages played on their final homestand. When it's going good, Shinju and the fans are the very best of the Plus League. The cardboard cutouts, the merch sales, the food outside, and the numerous special guests at the games and how loud the place gets. Hoping is super comfortable, easy to get around, and most importantly everything runs smoothly. I do expect Shinju to be the best home court to beat next season. Rookie of the year was another tough one. In the end, I went with Oscar. If you're talking about impact wins, Achi, Lingjuji, and Wako made more compelling cases by almost single-handedly winning individual games. And on the other hand, Oscar didn't have the same over-the-top performances. In fact, Oscar is a very inefficient scorer, shooting 36% from the field. I spent the most time analyzing this race. I listed all 12 qualified rookies and calculated their per-36-minute stats. That means if you take all their players' production per minute and express it as 36 minutes, which is approximately what a full-time player plays, that's a much better comparison of their efficiency. Achi would average the most points at 17.3 per 36, but all other stats he lags behind. Walco averaged the second most minutes played, and he has a third best scoring average of 13.8 points per 36, and a decent rebounding rate of 7.5. Back to Oscar, he's a statistics eater. Check out all of these per 36. Second in scoring at 14.8, the best rebounding guard at 5.8, second in assists at 5.2, and first in steals, 3.0. Oscar also had the most games started by any rookie at 20. He also led all rookies in total minutes played, points, assists, and steals. Now a good argument against Oscar is how his play was very inconsistent in the end and the fact that his production doesn't correlate to team wins. But as a guard, I see the stats that are eye-popping. Oscar's assist-to-turnover ratio is 2.13, and his steal-to-turnover and steal-to-foul are above 1.0, meaning he's a risk-taking defender who isn't punished. I bet he's the only player in the league to have those ratios. Sixth man of the year, my player that I selected was Winston, Tun of the Braves. He was used like a bench player all year. Whenever teams tried to play zone defense against the Braves, they would call in Winston to break it, and he did so seemingly every time. He had great season shooting as well, 45% field goal percentage or 50% effective field goal percentage. That kind of surprised me. He was also one of those guys who got statistics as well. Among the candidates, Winston was the top three in rebounding, assists, steals, and points, of course. Maybe a product of how the Braves are so deep, and his, mm, seniority, he doesn't average more minutes. I had the winner, Randall Walko second. The reason being, his playing minutes is more often that of a starter. Of the 18 games Walko played in, 13 times he played more than 20 minutes, and 5 of those he played over 30 minutes. He can get really hot, and is the rookie with the most physical, athletic potential. Perhaps his scoring potential is why he's coming off the bench and not a starter but an excellent piece for any team regardless. He also has some games where his presence can't be felt. We saw the playoff series, how he can space out mentally, but of course, juxtaposed to his guts in the clutch. Defensive player of the year, I had Hashim Tabit, the top spot, and he won it. It's undeniable that Tabit had the biggest impact defensively. 3.26 blocks a game is no joke. His conditioning and agility improved towards the end of the season, one crucial game the Lioneers needed was March 14th at home against the Dreamers. To beat Chase Tucker going to the basket and it blocked him three times in the fourth quarter, helping his team to the home sweep. Fortunately for To and the lioners he was able to play every single one of the last 15 games for them while the other imports were unavailable at times. All defensive first team, To Jet, Oscar, Calvin, chun Hunt the Lioneers, and Derek Leadaway of the Dreamers. I had Quincy Davis instead of Calvin. He is also an anchor defensively, and so too is Derek for the Dreamers. Centers in the Plus League are still the most valuable defensive asset this season. Since Tabit was Defensive Player of the Year, that left no room for Jaron Young, the steals leader of the league, and the most locked-down perimeter defender. Since I couldn't have Jaron, but I wanted to reward a thieving perimeter defender, I chose Oscar. If Oscar can improve his man coverage even more, to the point of defending import guards as a 5'10 player, that'll be huge. So, on to MVP and Import of the Year. Who did my podcast guests have? Of the 12 votes, Jet received 7, Amigo and I 2 apiece, and Calvin with 1. For Import of the Year, 9 for Tucker, 2 for Tabit, and 1 for Singletary. I asked, and they all answered before the official announcement on Monday, May 3rd. For MVP, I had Jet as my first choice easily, because in the interviews I did with the imports of the Plus League, you can watch that on the Plus League YouTube, Yang Jiang Very consistently, the guys said Jet impressed them the most. It's easy for Tucker. They were teammates for part of the season in the last ABL season. Jet plays hard on defense. He's got that mid-range jumper. His three-point shooting is the real threat, even if it doesn't look right. And from end to end, he is the fastest player in the league, hence the nickname. He did have a DNP against the Pilots on April 5th, but played 25 minutes in the final game, so you know the Braves are counting on him for the finals. Import of the year might be my biggest oversight. Ior Zaitsev was the top vote getter by a small margin. I did not have a single Brave on my top three. I guess for as skilled and as hard as they played, their stories weren't as compelling. To me, the Braves aren't a 19-win team because they have the top performing imports. So Zaitsev. He's the most reliable contributor for the Braves. Defensive smarts, soft hands, and a great understanding for the Brave sets. He played so many consecutive games to start the season, you wonder if the team would ever take him out of the lineup. Instead I was choosing between Tabit, Tucker, and Young. Tabit is too much a presence to ignore, a huge reason for their late season turnaround. Tucker displays the best skill and his scoring assist titles for the season. And Jaron Young is a piece the Dreamers can't win without. If Reed had one more game played and qualified, I would have absolutely put him in consideration. I thought Reed could have and should have won the January MVP. But anyways, Tucker's win rate was so low I put him third. It's clear in the fourth quarter the Dreamers play poorly when it's just Tucker with the basketball in his hands and no ball or player movement. Then it was up to Tabit and Young. A huge thing against Tabit was his team ended up in last place. He had some offensive skill but is inconsistent on that end of the floor. Now Young seemed like a one dimensional driver to start but by the end of the season, his three-point shooting percentage is even higher than of Tucker. Of course, we talked about his defensive prowess. While he might not be a crazy good post-defender, his weak side steals and on-ball defense was incredible. For the All-Plus League team, I had Young, Jet, Davis, Calvin, and the pilot Si Jingyao. Calvin was the best domestic guard behind Jet to me, though it's a pretty big gap. Calvin was banished not only to the bench, but to some garbage time in the middle of the season. In his favor was his point scoring and effort on defense. Davis is on there because of how important he is to the Pilots. Of their 10 wins, Davis played a 9 before his back flared up. Ayo I had as the second choice for MVP. He's listed at forward, but that's totally wrong. His consistent scoring and clutch fourth quarters were huge for the Pilots. Taking Ayao down a notch was his decision-making and effort, which he saves sometimes. Calvin would be replaced by Amigo, Yang jiming if it was a positionless vote. But Amigo pushed out by Young Ayao, and Davis on my ballot in the front court. Amigo's importance to his team is big too. He averaged 34 minutes per game and has incredible 58% shooting from two. The actual winners are Jet, Ayao, Calvin, Amigo, and Zysef. As for the playoff series, in Game 3 on Wednesday, in Zhang saw another big lead by the Dreamers, this time 15 points heading into the 4th. Amigo, Hicks, and Young were the only scorers in double digits to that point, and they would remain the only Dreamers who scored in double digits. Quincy Davis played 11 minutes of the 4th, and Jordan Chapman did the scoring with 14 points in the 4th, 23 points overall. His crossover and layup tied the game at 75 under 4 minutes left in the game, and with 21 seconds left, he nailed a three to give the Pilots the final lead in the game, completing another improbable comeback, 82 to 79, and giving them the series lead. The COVID-19 infections in Taoyuan led the city to announce restrictions on public events. So on Friday, in a pre-game press conference, Sean Chen announced the Pilots deferred their last home game to Tsonghua, where a Dreamers team leader, Lewis, at the table, announced they agreed to split the ticket revenue and introduce as many neutral site elements as everyone could. It was a little comedic as there were some back and forth verbal jabs like a weigh-in before a fight the potential game five was slated for sunday well right from the jump of game four on friday we knew there would be a game five jaron young and stephen hicks once again were the import and swarmed the pilots for three of 23 shooting while the dreamers scored 20 points on the break they led the quarter 33 to 7 in what was a new low in scoring for a single quarter The game ended 103-74 with Hicks, the top scorer, with 39. More often than not, you can count on the final game of the series, a winner-take-all kind of game to be tight. Through three quarters, the Dreamers had a 12-point lead thanks to Jaron Young's hot shooting from outside and inside assault on the rim. It was obvious the 23 turnovers at that point the Pilots had put them in a deeper hole than necessary. Despite the deficit, you just knew the Pilots would make an interesting final frame. Jackie Tsanggungu was one of four pilots to play all 12 minutes and he looked as confident as could be, 13 points on 5 of 6 shooting and so did Q with his own 9 points. But the comeback would come short. With 33 seconds remaining on the shot clock running down, Amigo dribbled at the top two defenders of the pilot zone and that left Walco open on the right side and he nailed the three to give the Dreamers the 5 point lead. Jackie countered with a 3, and the Dreamers curiously advanced the ball to the front court via timeout with 23 seconds on the clock, meaning the Pilots could foul and force the Dreamers to shoot the basketball to beat the shot clock with time left in the game. Fortunately for the Pilots, Hicks barely missed as they called their own timeout after getting the rebound with less than 5 seconds left. Pilots ran a useless sideways elevator screen for Chapman, which didn't free him up. So over the top pass to Ayo, who crossed the left against Amigo and his own open three, but in his fatigue he airballed it for the end of the game. Dreamers won this one, 93-91 and the series on Jaren Young's 42 points. After the first game back on April 23rd, I pleaded for the pilots to somehow win one game that series, and in actuality they won two in comeback fashion and gave us an ever-exciting winner-take-all game. Quincy Davis proved his value even at 38 years old, hurt, and out of playing shape. He expressed on Sunday his desire to play into the future if his body would allow it, with the newfound motivation to play in the plus league with home cities. Given his domestic status, what team wouldn't want to have Davis as a closer? Jordan Chapman had himself a series too, scoring in the 20s 4 out of 5 games. He might not have the athletic profile of other imports in the league, but he's only going to be 28. He speaks Mandarin, and he can shoot the basketball really well. Ayo ah and Jackie had series worth remembering. Remember, Jackie Zhang is a former Dreamer. Peng Peng, Chen Guanchen and Manimo Ling Yao left a lot to be desired out of their play. Rookie Ling Zhen struggled, but was given his chance to play, and he played hard. On to the finals preview. Let's start with the Dreamers. Something arbitrary but simple. In 19 occurrences during the playoffs, only their main guys, Achi, Walco, Derek, Amigo, Hicks, Tucker, and Young scored in the double digits. Granted, these guys are capable of big scoring nights. Aji, Walco, and Amigo had 30 points in individual games, and we've seen how their imports can score in bunches. But that means no other player had a game of decent scoring production. Percentage-wise, the Dreamers shot two-pointers at 48%, which is slightly better than the regular season average of the league of 47, but a little lower from three at 28 compared to 31%. In the regular season, the Dreamers had lost seven out of nine games they allowed opponents 45% field goal shooting or better. In the wins, they allowed opponents a field goal percentage of 40%. So, of course, defense is the most important thing. Now, rebounds, of course, are better in wins. But in losses, they average three more offensive rebounds allowed to their opponents. Securing the boards is big, especially against the best offensive rebounding team in the Braves, who get 16.9 per game. The Dreamers' biggest concerns from the playoff series has to be losing four out of the five fourth quarters. Granted, one of those fourths was a blowout win for them. Let's explore some of those reasons. One, not having two imports on the floor at the same time, the Dreamers are probably putting on a local who isn't a major scoring threat. They foul more and get out rebounding. Those are things Coach Julis told me himself, are effort and focus things. The short rotations the Dreamers play means seven main guys are going to be more fatigued than say the 10 pilots who are rotated through. Hicks averages 23.4 points a game against the Braves, Young 24.3 and Tucker just 19 per game. Unfortunately, that doesn't bode well for Professor Tucker in the finals who only played one of the five games in the playoff. And isn't nearly as valuable defensively as the other two. The Braves, only four players under 190 or 6'3, and only one of those is below 180, and that's Xiaopal to Leitingen, whose per 36 in steals would be even higher than Jaron Young. I don't have evidence, but with their expensive payroll, it's not impossible to imagine that they're in the red even selling out 96% of their total home capacity on the season. The Braves' specialty is their two-point shooting, a product of their physical interior play and fast breaks. Only two on their roster have rather low two-point shooting, Josh Zhou the rookie, and Louis Jianwei the three-point shooter who has started games for them. The Braves imports pretty much all average double-doubles in points and rebounds. Michael Singletary had a 1-for-16 start of the season behind the arc, but ended the season at 36%. Wow. Zysef in 7 games against the Dreamers had mixed results. One game of 9 turnovers, which they lost, but in the final game he had a 20-20. Garcia is the only import who has a bad matchup against the Dreamers. In all three games he was a negative in plus minus and played in both of the Braves' losses to the Dreamers. Playing two bigs at a time for the Braves is not a liability like some other teams. Because the Braves have two bigs who can effectively look for each other. Whether it's Ding, Zeng Wan Ding dishing out assists, or Jack Zengshanjun finishing from the dunker spot, or even Brendan Smart who has perfected the 5-foot second-chance putbacks. Last is Ray, Lingmongshu, who does everything the coaches want defensively. For guards and perimeter players, the Braves just sub out whoever isn't getting it done. Even if you don't play Tucker to keep Jet unmotivated, behind him is Beast. For a change of pace, you have Joseph's three-point shooting or J, Kuo Saojie and Weber Zhang Wuwei's floor running. Winston coming in to break the zone. One notable thing about the quarter scoring, the best quarter of the season is a third for the Braves when they have an average margin of 2.8 in the positive. But in their five losses, they are a negative 6.6 in the third quarter. Those represent the best and worst in the league, respectively. Overall, the Braves only lost once at home this season. That was to the Lions, who arguably played their best game of the year that night. And now in the playoffs, you're looking to beat them twice to have a chance at the championship? So what of the regular season matchups? Six Braves wins to two Dreamer wins. Both Dreamers wins coming at home in Zhanghua, where the Braves turned the ball over a bunch while the Dreamers shot the ball well the last head-to-head in Taipei. The Braves made a fourth quarter comeback and there was a missed out-of-bounds call that could have swung things the Dreamers way. Wow, that's a long pod. Thanks for listening all the way. Shout out to Andy, Rock, the Blue Ball podcast guys, Jim, Kenneth, Doug, Leo, and JB, Utopia guys, Kwan, Kai, Lewis, and Mike, and Raja. Not many Plus Basketball Weekly pods left. Thank you for listening to Taiwanese Pro Ball. I'm your host, Ryan Chen. For the first time this season, the English broadcast will be available from Heping Gymnasium. Remember, that's Friday, May 7th at 7pm. That's Game 1. Game 2 will be Sunday, May 9th at 5pm. See ya!